Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Our guest today is elite runner and coach Sage Kanade. Sage is a highly versatile runner who has had great success across distances and terrains. In 2014, he was the world long distance mountain running champion. He's a two-time US Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon, a multiple-time top 20 finisher in major marathons like the Boston and Chicago marathons and has won multiple longer distances, um, longer distance races. For example, he's a three-time Speedgoat 50 kilometer champion, a two-time Lake Sonoma 50 mile champion and a two-time Taravera 100 kilometer champion. He's a very highly regarded uh, coach whose work is followed uh, by literally hundreds of thousands of uh, running uh, runners around the world and I'm really privileged to have him join us today. So welcome to the podcast uh, Sage. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's an honor. <laughs> okay, Sage, can you start with uh, sharing with the listeners a little bit of your uh, running background and how that transformed uh, later into into coaching? Yeah, I was uh I started off playing soccer as a child. Uh so when I was 5 years old to about 12 years old I was playing soccer, but I wasn't uh, very coordinated with the ball. The coach told me that I should just run and not kick the ball so much. So I I thought maybe I should just do uh athletics and and start running track and field uh when I was about 12. So I I started that I started at 100 meter sprint trying to be fast, but I I wasn't fast at that either so I had to move up to 200 meters 400 meters and pretty soon I was running the 1500 meters uh all throughout middle school and then into high school we had uh 5 kilometers cross country which I was a lot better at I I was placed better in the competition at the longer 5 kilometer distance but I I ran a lot of 3000 meters uh in high school and I was able to run in college at university level in the US here at at Cornell University I ran uh for them for uh cross country and track we started running the 10,000 meters uh 10k on the track a lot of cross country started running marathons then at 21 years old and I actually qualified for my first US Olympic trials you had to run under 222 uh back then that was 2007 so I did that when I was 21 years old I was the youngest American male in that race. Wow. Uh and then after college I I ran on the roads just half marathon and marathon for a couple years professionally and then uh 2012 I moved to Boulder started doing mountain ultra trail running but I still did some road marathons as well uh and that's when I kind of got into the coaching business starting off on my uh with my partner my girlfriend Sandy Nightpaver we coach at higher running and uh so training plans for we say any surface any distance because we have runners doing 5k or 1500 meters on the track and then we have runners doing 100 miles 170 kilometers in the mountains and everything in between yeah wonderful and and uh, you are uh, you are a self confessed uh, running nerd so uh my first question or the follow up question really is uh you you have obviously now coached as you just said uh, people uh, across of various abilities and of you know across distances and terrains so what are some of the things that you observe in real life which you not which you do not necessarily get from books books or blogs or by learn uh, by just reading 
Yeah. So a lot of the books, I started reading training books uh, at a young age to Jack Daniels distance running formula. I I was searching on the internet a lot uh, for for information. Um, A lot of different theories, you know, Arthur Lydiard, Canova, all these different methods. And it's changed over time. But with individual athletes, uh, coaching one-on-one or, or just, uh, you know, hearing comments on social media, on YouTube, I've learned how different each each athlete is, each person is, and how that's very important in how you structure their training. And it, some of it could be mental even, right? Your your personal personality, uh, your attitude towards doing maybe challenging or hard workouts or Uh, you know, your relative experience level, be it, you know, how old you are, your chronological age, but also your, your running age, how long you've been running, what, you know, distance you've covered, how, how many kilometers you run each week. Uh, It's, there's just a lot of variation out there. So you have to kind of address those important things as an individual per individual athlete. And that could make all the difference really between someone having a successful race and finishing or hitting their goal or qualifying for Boston or, or not. Understood. And, uh, uh, you know, this this leads to the uh, next question, pretty straightforward way. You just touched upon it as, you know, the, individu- the individuality of the r- runners and the need for customization based on their circumstances and uh, other factors. So just take us through in a little more detail. If, if a new athlete approaches you, how do you, before even you set up the training plan, how do you really evaluate? What are the parameters that uh, you dwell into a little deeply? Yeah, so the the general background and success in, in running uh, is really you want to be motivated to maybe improve your health. So just looking at someone's health, trying to keep them healthy, but then hopefully improve their health and well-being and, and fitness and happiness. Uh, it all kind of goes together. So we have like a general questionnaire that people fill out. There's also a liability waiver, which is important in the U.S. Yeah, uh, but sure. just to make sure people, you know, they see a doctor, maybe they've got, you know, we look at their injury history. Uh, maybe you've been in a car accident or a bike accident and you have, uh, you know, a different, you have maybe some surgery on your leg. You need to know about something like that because uh, it could change your running form. It could change how hard you could go maybe in, in certain types of workouts. If you're doing a downhill workout for Boston, it's a lot of impact force. So looking at things like that, as well as, you know, what type of diet someone may have, uh, what their work family balance is. A lot of people uh, that we've coached over the years have, you know, they have children, they work a full-time job, maybe a very demanding job. Uh, they don't have a lot of time to, to focus on running or, you know, what kind of environment they live in. Do they live in the mountains? Do they live in a, a very flat area? Is it very hot and humid where they live? Uh, considerations with the weather also could affect how you structure someone's intensity or pace because, you know, adverse weather conditions make it a lot harder to run faster, but it's it's still a stress and it's something that you need to take into account. Okay, got it. So uh, after you have done that, after you have done this evaluation uh, in your training, I mean, while while, you know, everybody understands that you coach across distances and terrains, what are some of the overarching training principles uh, that you and your team use, which generally are the same uh, across distances, runners, abilities, uh, the fundamental foundational principles? Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of, we talk about individualization, but at the same time, we also sell a lot of more gen- general training plans. And the common theme there is that 
uh, you know, people have to make some of their own decisions in training and adjustments along the way and read their body, uh, but also maybe use metrics like data, whether it's their GPS watch or just going by pace. Uh, the general trend we like to, to implement in our plans and training is building an aerobic base uh, for a fairly long time, a big aerobic base. And usually that means slowing down your easy runs, running Sure. Uh, very slowly, keeping the heart rate relatively low, conversational pace, so you could talk while you're running. But that changes over time through a matter of weeks and months in a training plan. Uh, because if if your goal is to qualify for Boston, you have to get very comfortable running that pace for for a marathon and even faster than that pace. So it becomes there's more intensity, but it's kind of just sprinkled in, and so it gets more specific as the training goes on, and whether that's six weeks or eight weeks or 10 weeks into the training block or the training plan uh, kind of depends on, on what on the athlete, but also maybe what plan they get, how advanced they are. Uh, but it does change over time. There's periodization and yep. it is something that athletes have to tune into their own heart rate or their own pace goals for the race they're training for. Okay. And when it comes to measuring intensity, you, you touched upon, for example, you know, keeping your heart rate, uh, heart rate in a particular aerobic zone or a low heart rate, as you said. Uh, what is kind of your preferred measure? Uh, is it uh, rate of perceived exertion, pace, heart rate? Nowadays, running power is there, which I'm you know, going to ask you a question down the line. Uh, so, uh, or do you prefer your, you know, a combination of all these factors? So it, we use a combination of the factors. Okay. We actually have a free download on our website. We call it the pace intensity spectrum. And we'll say perceived effort, but we'll also say heart rate percentage of maximum. maximum. But we'll also give examples of race pace on a flat surface. And that, that last point's important because, like I said, if someone's training to qualify for the Boston Marathon or run under three hours for a marathon, that pace goal is very specific. Yes, right? You have to absolutely. run 652 per mile to, to run under three hours in the marathon. Uh, so in, in that case, if someone's training for a road event and they're going for a time trial, personal best time goal, then pace becomes probably one of the most important sure. uh, aspects. But of course, if you're running and it's hot and humid or you have a headwind, you have to start adjusting the pace or going by relative heart rate percentage, or like you said, power that could change a lot. So we like to use all, all these in combination and with, with the trail running, it becomes a lot different because pace, you kind of have to throw out the window with all the yes. hills. So then you look at, you know, maybe on, on platforms like Strava that track GPS performance, you could see people are running up a certain gradient of hill. You might know if they say, Oh, it was a technical trail. It slowed them down. Uh, then you have to go more by perceived effort and maybe heart rate as well. Okay, got it. Okay, now that's very useful. Uh, and you are you are one of the, or at least one of the few people that uh, you know I I am aware of who has had this varied. I mean, th this kind of a success across varied distances and terrains, right? So uh, when people switch around and we also see nowadays runners increasingly you know being maybe being a road marathoner for a long long time and then wanting to do ultra or trail or you know things like that uh, can you take us through some of the challenges people face when they switch things like this yeah i faced a lot of the challenges personally because like you said i go back and forth and i think it's easier to switch from if you run a fast road marathon and then you want to run a 50k on the trails, that's an easier transition to make 
uh, if, as long as it's not a really technical trail. But you, you get into technical trails and really steep trails, and that's one challenge is adjusting your form for that. But when ultra runners try to do road marathons, sometimes they're not used to the fast, even pace. So that's probably the bigger challenge is when I go from the ultra mountain races and try to go back to the Boston Marathon or qualify for Olympic trials again. The speed doesn't come back as fast. Uh, you have to kind of like retrain your muscles and your form to get efficient again. It feels like you have to like sprint almost. So it's it's hard to go back and forth quickly. You have to give yourself time. I've tried to do it in a matter of weeks and months. And sometimes I feel like I have to do a longer training block to fully get back. But it, it really depends on the person. And I think everything could be trained to some extent, but you also have natural strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and you have to kind of figure that out as you go along. And how, in, in this, uh, what sort of a differences in the mental challenge have you you, you personally faced? I mean, do you, I mean, of course, I understand that there is always for everybody a personal preference, at least a personal preference at a point in life uh, where they are. Uh, but are the mental challenges somewhat different between, let's say, a longer distance trail event versus a road marathon or even a shorter distance uh, road event? Yeah, it's all hard. I like to say it's all hard. <laughs> no matter if you push yourself 100%, <laughs> it's, it's kind of equally hard, except the pain could manifest itself in different ways. And the longer the race, the more time you have out there running on the course, the more things that could go exponentially wrong, especially with something like dehydration or nutrition. Yes. So with the longer ultras, I've, I've struggled at a lot of the 100 mile distances. I've done okay at a lot of 100 Ks, 100 kilometers. At 100 miles has been a struggle for me. I've only attempted a few. Uh, you could get really, really dehydrated. And that's, that's an extra variable that's kind of hard to problem solve because it's a moving target. It moves throughout the night while you run it. It moves with your sweat rate. Uh, and if you are just a little bit off and you're not hydrated enough and you leave the aid station, you have to go for hours without any help or support. It could be a disaster. Yes, uh, whereas at least in a road marathon or, or shorter races, you don't have to carry as much gear. You, you don't have to worry about the weather as much being an extreme danger. Uh, so I think the problem solving aspect mentally has been hard for me personally, but also the fact that if you, if you run out of glycogen and, 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 uh, get really dehydrated, then mentally you get really discouraged too in a long distance race. Okay. Got it. Uh, I want to get into a little bit of specifics about coaching. And since you have such a wide range of coaching, uh, you know, I'm asking the next question a little bit tuned to, uh, the listener base that I have who are probably more into road running and road running like half marathon and the marathon and not so much into, you know, things like trail or mountain uh, mountain running. So let's say, you know, just take us through a typical week in your marathon training plan after, let's say, a period of base building has been uh, done. Yeah. So, you know, it depends on your mileage goal and, and the speed, but generally there's two what we call two quality types of workouts per sure. week. Some weeks it might be three. It's not always a seven day training cycle. It it's, could be more like 10 days. Yes. So we kind of stagger it uh, like that, but there's usually a kind of what we call a tempo or threshold type of workout or run. And something like that could be uh, three times two miles or three times three kilometers, even something like that, where it's in between 10 kilometer race pace and half marathon race pace. Yep. So if you're training for a half marathon, 
you go, you know, 10 sec, 10 seconds per kilometer faster, maybe than your goal half marathon pace. So it's, it's kind of like speed training, but it's not quite as fast maybe as, as 5k or faster pace. And it's kind of a long, uh, time to be running maybe we do it three times 10 minutes even uh for the longer end so sometimes we go by time sometimes we go by distance and there's a short rest in between each three kilometer or two mile uh threshold type of run so that would be one sample workout maybe midweek uh whenever someone has time for and then we'd have two easy days two recovery days maybe one day off but then one day just very light running light jogging and then maybe on the weekend if people have more time they do a long run but yep. the long runs aren't easy. They're, uh, you know, in the easier plans, it could be going a certain distance easy some weeks. But a lot of times within the long run, be it a 10 mile or 20 mile, uh, you know, up to 32 kilometer long run for some people, uh, we'll have them speed up in the second half of the long run. And maybe they do surges where they run 10 kilometer pace for three minutes at a time, then take an easy two minutes and then repeat that cycle six or eight times. So in the course of a long run, you have a lot of pace changes, you have some high intensity heart rate spikes, and you're working on your speed when you have really tired legs. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the week is is going to be fairly relaxed and easy because you have these big quality days, these big longer workouts at pretty fast paces. Got it. Okay. And what is, uh, what's your view and where do you fit uh, supplemental training like uh, strength training, mobility training, et cetera? Uh, if people have time for it, it's definitely seen as a high priority and something that's really important. Okay. Uh, we definitely recommend people spend at least five or 10 minutes before each run and maybe after each run, at least doing some light mobility activation, uh, even some stretching and then doing some sort of strength work. doesn't have to be formal gym training, but, uh, you know, at least some core work, planks, uh, push-ups, things that could strengthen the core. It's really an individual thing on that because people, it's, it's how much time they have before and after their runs. But we do see a lot of value in keeping people healthy and improving their running form by doing the strength training and, and muscle activations, uh, just relaxing, you know, focusing on their breath, but also making sure they're not getting muscle imbalances or too tight uh, anywhere. So you know, some people we have, they go to the gym, they spend a half hour, maybe one hour, two times a week, three times a week. Uh, if they have the time, the, the more of it, the better, really. Okay. And uh, otherwise, you are okay with people doing, let's say, body weight workouts at uh, at, uh, at home if they don't have access or the time to a gym? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the body weight workouts, you could do a lot with that. Um, like I said, just doing push-ups and planks and air squats and, and things like that. Usually you could get some really good activation. And I, I will say, actually, we don't want people lifting too many heavy weights in the gym a lot of times because you could overdo it if you have bad form and you try to lift a really heavy weight, you could hurt yourself or tire yourself out. So it's it's actually better to start with the body weight, just, you know, at home exercises that you could do uh, to work on mobility and flexibility, but also that that core strength mainly. Before moving on, I wanted to request uh, all the listeners to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It will only take you a couple of minutes, but it will help the show enormously and help other listeners to discover the show. So please do take a couple of moments to go and leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you are using another app which allows you to leave a comment or a rating or review, like for example, CastBox, 
please do that either. We also request you to please check out the website runfitraj.com and also if you have any comments or suggestions to please write to me directly at runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. You can follow all podcast related updates on Instagram at the handle running and fitness with Raj or on Facebook on the Facebook group running and fitness with Raj. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. And I I want to come back uh, to the mental, you know, mental training, mental strength part of it, right? Because you have done uh, so many, you know, long events, short events, uh, what are some of the things that you can tell listeners on how to develop your mental uh, mental strength and you know by now pretty much everybody knows that mental you know mental strength is not something you can just switch on on race day but just like your you know physical ability you need to train it in training uh, so what are you know what are some of your personal hacks so to speak uh, plus what what can you tell listeners yeah, I mean, the mind is, uh, you think of it like a muscle, it needs to be exercised and trained. And uh, I think with a lot of athletes, we try to get them to have confidence after they they complete some hard workouts. So you practice it while you're training, especially in the hard workouts. But, uh, you know, a lot of that could happen between runs, maybe at night with visualization, uh, yep. just having more positive mindset, visualizing your goal, and you succeeding in that goal. Uh, could be very helpful as well as uh, just, you know, listening to your body, having those goals, those positive affirmations, repeating the goal over to yourself, having a, a mantra that you have in your head, maybe when you're starting to feel tired or feel fatigue from a run or get yourself motivated. It's good to repeat that in your head. Um, some people use music too, but I think mainly just focusing in on your own goals and why running's meaningful and important to you or why this race is important to you uh, could really help and realize that, you know, there is pressure and, you know, you don't always succeed a hundred percent of the time, but that's okay. Uh, You're running because you want to empower yourself and feel good and healthy and strong. And hopefully that, that makes you more confident overall in in your life too. Got it. Okay. No, quite helpful. And, uh, one specific question, uh, you know, based on again, the listener profile that uh, we have uh, is unlike in the U S in, in, for example, India, we don't have too many races, which are 5k and 10k. So typically people, you know, like including myself, we don't do too many 5k, 10k blocks of dedicated training. Uh, now and and we typically you know run marathons, half marathons, you know, and some people the longer distances. So tell us what are your thoughts on you know within a year or within a period of time developing those uh, skills or speeds at those shorter uh, distances as well, and how how does that kind of interplay with the longer run, uh, longer events like half marathon, full marathon, or even beyond? Yeah, I think it's a great idea to have a dedicated block during a year. Maybe it's only three months uh, out of the year where you're just focusing on on those shorter efforts. And uh, even if you don't have a 5K race to do, you could always do a time trial by yourself, maybe on a track or if you measure out a five kilometer course, it's sometimes fun uh, to just work on that. And it it balances with your other longer races because it would be exhausting if you were doing a lot of full marathons uh, throughout the whole course of a year. Usually we try to limit how many full road marathons an athlete does. Uh, A lot of people 
can't handle much more than maybe two, three, uh, maybe four at, at the most. And so in between doing a marathon, you take a rest break, then you start training for something faster and shorter. And maybe, uh, you know, you don't have to do a lot of races, but you work on that 5k, 10k projected speed yes. and kind of take a break from just the marathon training. Cause if you're always marathon training, marathon training, marathon training, eventually you might get hurt or you're just going to get uh, stagnant. Yeah, yeah. Plateau. So, uh, the half marathon is a little different. You could definitely race more of those, but it's still kind of the same thing. You want to be working on the 5k and 10k speed at some point always. And that could be an emphasis for three months out of the year for sure. Okay. And typically you would advocate doing that, uh, in early part of the year before your marathon or longer distance, uh, events are coming up. Uh, yeah, for example, depends. For, oh, go ahead. No, no. For example, you know, in April, May, June, in, in, in this part of the world, it's really hot and, you know, it's to get the kind of long runs to, you know, get to your marathon goal is far more difficult than, say, for example, working on a 5K or 10K training plan. And marathons are typically at the back end of the year, like everywhere else, I guess, like fall and winter and, you know, beyond. Yeah, no, that's a great point is when it's hot and humid, you, it's hard to get in any any long runs. So it's better to just do short and work on intensity because you're just doing shorter mm -hmm. efforts and you don't have to worry about doing those super long, long runs for the marathon. So yeah, definitely before the marathon cycle starts, because when you get that speed and efficiency, uh, it's really then just a matter of extending your endurance and making marathon pace feel more comfortable. So when temperatures cool down or you're training for a fall or winter marathon, uh, you have the speed, then you just have to build endurance on top of it. But as the year progresses, you know, after you've done their marathon, you want to recover, rest again, then maybe train for a half marathon. So it, it could change. You could train for another marathon all in a row, but you kind of always want to be cycling it and through the course of the year and when your races are, uh, is a good way to do it. Okay, got it. Uh, I wanted to have talked to you about uh, running power. Is that is that something, you know, the stride power meter, for example, has, you know, has come into vogue in the last few years. You know, you are seeing an increasing number of athletes adopting it. And certainly there is a you know lot more curiosity about it uh, nowadays. Uh, is it something you have looked at? Do you consider it in your training plans or with your athletes you coach one-on-one? -on -one? Where does it uh, where does it fit? Uh, yeah, no, I've definitely considered it. Uh, looked at it a lot. It's still kind of a new, relatively new emerging uh, thing. And I know you've done some podcasts on it as well, actually. I, yeah. I'm sponsored by the company Coros. And they yes, make I use watches. the same. I, I use the similar oh, yeah. oh, Coros nice. as well. So, yeah. yeah, they have uh, some power calculations built in. It's not the same as like a foot pod unit like Stride. Um, I think it's a, yeah, it's another way to, to evaluate relative efforts. So like we said, with the heart rate, uh, you know, that's one way with pace, with perceived exertion, and then with power, you have all these different ways. So I think the more ways you have the better, cause you know, your relative number and kind of how that feels. And if we look at like cycling training, uh, riding bikes, there's, you know, power is, is king in, in cycling. Uh, but it's a little... But it is a bit different with the mechanics of running. And so I'm not sure how straightforward it is. And so there's some margin of error, I would say, with running power versus like cycling power. And there's also a margin of error with heart rate training. Uh, yeah. Sometimes my heart rate monitor gets off. Um, and then there are individual 
differences, well, with heart rate being max heart rate and heart rate reserve and all that. Power tries to eliminate that uh, because it's just looking at, you know, your own body weight, your own relative, uh, you know, how much effort, how much work you're doing basically. And it even calculates in things like a headwind. Uh, so I think that's very interesting. Um, and I think it's still something that needs to be developed more, but, uh, you know, it's, it's another number that you could definitely use, uh, in your training. I wouldn't go a hundred percent just by the power numbers. I like to combine all the numbers together, but that's just me personally. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you have run, uh, you have run, you know, so many different types of races. So I just want to ask you, uh, share with the listeners, some of your, uh, favorite, uh, races and why. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite marathon road marathon is probably still the New York city marathon. Sure. Uh, it was my slowest marathon. I had, <laughs> I, 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 re- I went out too fast and I, I ran, I started walking in the last 10 kilometers. I was going a really tough race for me to finish, but I think it's a spectacular event and, you know, it's the largest marathon, uh, you know, to in do world, a marathon yeah. major. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I don't know New York City that well. I haven't been there as a tourist even that much. But during the race, you get to tour the five different boroughs uh, and just, you know, finishing in Central Park and seeing all that energy was just an amazing experience. So, you know, I I like all the marathon majors in the U.S. So I've done Boston a couple of times, uh, Chicago. Um, but, yeah, the New York City Marathon probably I think is is the most exciting. And it's a challenging course because those – the bridges you go over are, are like giant hills. And so you have to pace yourself well and train for some hills, even though it's a, a city road marathon. But yeah, the excitement there is just amazing. And and what, and what about the uh, ultra trail trail events? So which are which? Uh, one of my favorites would be the UTMB Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, uh, okay. which is in, it starts and ends in Chamonix, France, but it, you actually run through Italy and Switzerland during yeah. the race. And so it's a mountain trail race, uh, 107 miles, 170 kilometers, 3,000 or 10,000 meters of climbing. So about 3,300 or 33,000 feet of climbing during the race. Uh, so you're basically going up and down these big mountains in the Swiss Alps and every view is just spectacular. You have to run all night. Uh, and it's, uh, most people run for two nights actually. Um, okay. but it's, it's just a really exciting, amazing event. People line these ski slopes and mountain Hills and are cheering like crazy. And you have to carry like a, a big, uh, pack full of jackets and clothing as it could start snowing. And, uh, it's, it's a fun, fun race, but I struggled in that a lot, but I want to go back and do all these again because <laughs> they're so amazing. Okay uh just uh just take us through uh your resources first i want to talk about now resources which listeners can uh can access uh higher higher running is now your uh, website you have a lot of material out there but then you also have a youtube channel so just take us through uh what's out there what what can you know people get where and things like that yeah, so the the coaching business that uh, my girlfriend Sandy and I own and operate is Higher Running, higherrunning.com. We have free resources, some free downloads on there, as well as our training plans and coaching philosophy. And uh, there's some articles and blog posts we've posted on there. Uh, she also has a YouTube channel, Running Wild. My YouTube channel is called VO2 Max Productions. So I do a lot of training talks on there, Training Talk Tuesdays, uh, as well as just some vlogs following my own training or adventure runs. 
uh, and anything from the 5K, 10K to, to 100 miles uh, in the mountains. And then I also pretty active on social media on a bunch of different platforms. Uh, Facebook, uh, I have a Sage Canada fan page, athlete page, as well as Instagram is a big one for me at Sage Canada. Um, and so I, I post stuff on there, running related content. And are you on Twitter as well? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm on Twitter as well uh, under my name, Sage okay. Canada. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. And other than your own resources, since, you know, you are, you know, you read so much uh, about the sport, uh, our, can you take us through some of your favorite books, blogs, other websites, podcasts, YouTube channels? Yeah. Um, so for books, I was heavily influenced by Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels Distance Running Formula. Yeah. Uh, it's a great book. Also, Pete Fitzinger, uh, Advanced Marathon Running. He also yep. did a book on 5K, 10K training, but he was an Olympian. He went to the same uh, university I went to. Um, and so, yeah, Pete Fitzinger, he's an exercise science guy. Uh, you know, one of my college coach at university co-founded the website letsrun.com, yep. uh, which is more track and field news, but they do professional marathon running news. And uh, they have some media there that I like to go on that website. Uh, for trail ultra running, there's I Run Far, and then a new website that some of my friends and I created called muttrunning.com. It's mountain ultra trail running. Um, but yeah, those are the probably the, some of the big ones uh, that I like to, to tune into and, and listen to, as well as just yeah, getting inspiration from other athletes that we've coached or people online, uh, fellow competitors and uh, stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure just like everybody else, the pandemic uh, has uh, kind of disrupted your uh, next goals, next plan. So what can we look forward from you in the in this year and beyond? I mean, what are your next goals? Oh, that's a tough one. So I, I actually had a big health issue um, last month. I had a pulmonary embolism. Oh, so, sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a pretty sudden type of thing. Um, so I'm still recovering from that. Uh, so I've I've kind of taken a step back from the mountain racing this summer. I was going to do the UTMB actually. That was my okay. next race I was entered for. So I deferred that and I got to defer that uh, partly because of COVID. So many people were restricted to travel there anyway. We thought it would be canceled. So I get to postpone that till next year. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Hopefully next summer, the UTMB race I was talking about. Uh, but in between that, I was thinking of maybe getting back to some more flat and faster running so i'm i've been running here training here in boulder colorado on the flat creek path uh doing you know going to the track running easy but i'm thinking maybe to try i haven't signed up yet but maybe trying something like 100 miles on a track or uh even a 24 hour type of race where i just go slow and flat for a long time that wouldn't happen until later this year but i haven't committed to that so I don't know yet. I'm just trying to build my aerobic base very slowly back right now. So Sorry to hear about your illness and wishing you a very, very speedy uh, recovery and back to races and meeting your uh, meeting your goals. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm feeling much better already. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for your time. This was uh, really, really interesting. Uh, thanks for all the work that you are doing for us uh, runners. As I said in the beginning, you know, literally, you know, uh, thousands of runners follow your your work across various uh, various platforms. I will link all your resources uh, and some of the other resources that you mentioned in my uh, in my show notes. So thank you so much for talking to us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website runfitraj.com that is r u n f i t r a j.com. It has all the podcasts, it has all the show notes and there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles which are running and fitness with raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on running and fitness with raj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy and till the next show. Goodbye.